faith. You make a priority out of you know, being in the Word together, speaking of the Word. Uh, Bible bookmarks will be out next Sunday. And so um, if you're reading along with us, we'll have October bookmarks. Sometimes when the last Sunday of the month falls near the beginning of the month, it's just far enough in advance, we just wait until the first of the month, I'll say it that way. So but I'm so glad you read the Word with us. I'm so glad that you love our community well and that you want to share the faith together. Um, again, I want to say thank you to, uh, to Julie and to Rachel and to everybody else who put so much in to making uh, last Sunday happened. It was a great day uh, to love our community and love some young families. And we're continuing to reach out to them. In fact, some of them, you know, theoretically could be watching this morning, we hope. And if they are and you're online, we'd love to have you in person sometimes too. Uh, we always worship in person, 9 and 1045. And um, I can't wait to see what God's going to do in these coming months. So we're starting a new uh, series, actually we started a week or two ago, but uh, called Masterclass. And what we're doing is we're examining the teachings of Jesus, specifically the parables, to see what Jesus says about life, about love, about how we treat each other, about the biggest decisions of life, about forgiveness and gratitude. Jesus, of course, even talks about things like, like you know, religious people who don't act like God. What do we do about that? How do we make sure we're not one of those people? But as we're going to see today, Jesus addresses spiritual growth head on. Do you ever look at your own life and wonder sometimes why you get stuck, spiritually speaking? That you find yourself in a place where you should be moving forward, you should be growing and leveling up at some level, but you look into your life and you just feel like your feet are in cement. Or maybe your head is stuck in cement. Why is that? There are times in life, in spiritual growth terms, where we just suddenly accelerate rapidly. Why does that happen? What is it that's going on when I'm stuck? And what is it that's going on when, when there's an acceleration factor going on in my life spiritually? Now, I don't want you to mistake anything I say today in this sense, for the gospel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about levels of growth in a little bit. And when I use the word level, I don't want you to overthink it. This is not, this is not some kind of hard teaching of Jesus where, where he has said, there are level one people, and there are level two people, and there are level three people. The bottom line is, all fall short of the glory of God. I need Jesus who died for my sins, and the starting place is the gospel. I begin with faith that Jesus died for my sins and rose again. And it matters that we get that straight. But as we begin to talk about spiritual growth, there are certain actions we take that make a difference in whether we stay stuck or whether we keep moving. I sort of imagine that I would like spiritual growth to be like one heavenly escalator. You know what an escalator is, right? You get on. that it all just keeps going, steady pace. And what do you do? You just stand there. That's how we want spiritual growth to work. You ever gone to the mall or gone to the airport or gone, to some, gone somewhere, right? And, and, and you find the escalator and the, it's just standing still. And people look at that like they have no earthly clue 
what to do. I've never seen this before. So I want us to think about our spiritual growth and I want to see if I can help you get unstuck. If I could share with you what Jesus said about getting unstuck, about breaking free to grow spiritually, about moving forward in spiritual growth, would you want the answer from the master? I would. I would. So today I want to give you the one spiritual growth factor that I think elevates everything else. To see that, I want us to go to the Bible, to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Now, this same story is found in some of the other Gospels. It's in Luke chapter 8. It's in Matthew chapter 13. There are slight differences in the telling of the story in those places, but it's all essentially the same. Mark 4 verse 1 says again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, and the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got out into a boat, and he sat out in it on the lake, while all the, all the people who were along the shore at the water's edge, they were listening. And he taught them many things by parables. Now, this had a great sort of um, acoustical effect. The, the lake magnifies, you're, you're, the sound waves bounce off of the lake to a degree. You know, you can tell the acoustics between a dead room and a great room. I was talking with some friends yesterday about the old, 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 I mean like Italy style Catholic church buildings. Right? All of that was built for acoustics. So when the singing was happening, it just, it just sort of echoed. It just, just beautiful. So Jesus makes use of nature in this sense. And it says he taught many things by parables. And in his teaching, this is what he said this particular day. He said, listen, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. Okay, I sort of get that. Now that day, they would have really got that because more of them were farmers than we probably are today. The farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. And other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear any grain. And still others fell on good soil and came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some multiplying 100 times, which is quite the crop. That would be pretty miraculous yield. Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, that's a fancy way of Jesus back in the day saying, look, pay attention. Like, think about this. He is telling them to listen deeply. We might say, hey, 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 listen up. Listen up, listen up. He who has an ear let him hear. I think most people, even in history, would say Jesus was a phenomenal teacher. In fact, one of the excuses used to reject Jesus is that he was a good teacher. That there are many people who go, who, who say, look, I, 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 I'm not sure about all that God in the flesh stuff. 
I just think Jesus was just a good teacher. To which I love to reply, really, which teachings were good? Like, that creates good dialogue. Which ones do you like? Which ones do you put into practice? So Jesus tells this story, and he uses a parable. And we've talked about parables before, but I just want to catch us all up and make sure we understand. The word parable literally means to call alongside or to cast alongside. And what it's doing is it's telling a story alongside a truth. And so the story helps us understand the truth. At some level, we could say that parables give us a picture because I can look into the parables and I can see something very familiar. And at some other level, when I read the parables, we could say it's a mirror. Now, if, if we're not careful, we want to turn the Bible into binoculars where we look at other people and we go, uh-huh, yeah, I know some people who are wrong like that. Oh, yeah, look at that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know some people who sin like that. Now, the Bible's not meant to be binoculars, much more a mirror, where I look into it and I see myself. And so I want you to ask today, where do I see myself in this parable? The seed is the word of God. It's the gospel. It, 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 it is, in some senses, the Bible. We are the soils. So where are you in this? And to some degree, the parables are a window through which we see God and his grace. My guess would be that all of us, when we look deeply into the soil of our own hearts, might look into this and say, yeah, I'm not where I need to be. And this is why we must remember grace. I'm not where I need to be doesn't mean, oh, well, it's all good. I just accept grace and I walk on with life and I say, oh, well, I don't have to pay any attention to Jesus. Because remember, he said, he who has an ear, she who has an ear, let them hear. There's a need to pay attention here. So verse 10, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked about the parables and he told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that, or as a result, they may be seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, this sounds a bit like Jesus is saying that he doesn't want people to turn and be forgiven. But what he's quoting it's from the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah's time, Isaiah was told, in fact, several of the prophets were this way, they were told, hey, I want you to go preach God's word, God's message to people, and none of them are going to listen to you. And this quote is given in Isaiah in exactly that context, that you're going to preach, but they're not going to understand, and the hardness of their hearts, they're not going to respond. Just telling you that up front, Isaiah, go for it. Well, thank you, Lord. I appreciate your confidence in me. 
I think what this is getting at is Jesus is saying that there were people in his day who were listening or maybe hearing but not listening. People who believed they had God all figured out. And so they wouldn't, they wouldn't try to address this in terms of themselves. They stayed in binocular mode to look at other people. We can clearly see this in the Pharisees, the lawyers, the Sadducees, the, the different groups that argued with each other in Jesus' day, but never wanted to really do business with Jesus. So the disciples are basically saying, that's a great story, man. I have no idea what you mean. Thank you. Seriously, thank you. Because those kinds of stories give me encouragement. When I read my Bible and I say, what? So Jesus takes time to help them understand. Jesus said to them, verse 13, do you, do you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Sort of interesting there. The first word for understand means to understand by knowing. It's, it's mental knowledge. The second word for understand means to understand by experience. It's the understanding we do at the level of putting it into action. So he says, let me give you the explanation. The farmer sows the word. And some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Remember, the soil there was hard, and the, 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 the word could not penetrate at all. And Satan comes and snatches it away. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And still others, like seeds sowed among thorns... Hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept the word, implied is rooted in the word, produce a crop, sometimes 30, sometimes 60, sometimes 100 times what was sown. What is it that Jesus is really getting at for us? I want to see if I can say it this way. The one spiritual growth factor that elevates everything else, the, the one thing this is about today, I would say it this way, that my spiritual growth accelerates as the voice of Jesus, the Word, takes deeper root in my heart. That's the most accelerating factor you can experience in your life spiritually. If you really think about it, it's where you start spiritually. When you hear the gospel for the first time and you respond to the gospel. When you hear the word of Jesus, the good news that Jesus died for our sins and rose again, that he's alive today, that he is God in the flesh, that he has died to be our savior, to be our rescuer, to be our redeemer, to be our lover, to be our... There's so many words that we could throw in to describe what Jesus has done for us that when we hear that and we let that take root in our hearts for the very first time, that's how we become believers in Jesus. 
but we need to let that same good news continue to take root in our hearts. That my spiritual growth accelerates as the voice of Jesus takes deeper root in my heart. So to be clear, the beginning point is the receiving of the gospel. But the growing point moves from there with a continuation of listening to the gospel, believing the gospel, accepting the gospel, and putting the gospel to fruit in my life. In a lot of ways, he says, look, there are four kinds of soils. And those four kinds of soils represent four kinds of hearts. There are hard hearts, there are shallow hearts, there are crowded hearts, uh, distracted hearts, there are receptive hearts. I want to be careful about something here before I move on and describe these hearts. In our Bibles, a lot of us have a tendency to go, well, you know, there are some parts of the Bible I really like. And so when I feel like reading the Bible, that's the part I'm going to read. And there are other parts of the Bible that just I don't like or I don't understand or that's just not for me. And you know what I really, I should have done, I should have brought a large pair of scissors and a mirror and a window and a picture and all these other things I'm alluding to. Because I think a lot of times some of us just take part of the Bible and we just take out our giant pair of scissors and we, we just cut up the voice of Jesus because we don't want to do the work of understanding it or, or we just don't like what it says. We just... So let's think about this for a moment. Is the voice of Jesus only in parts of the Bible or in all of the Bible? All of it. Is the voice of Jesus only in the words with red letters? I don't know if you know this, but there were no red letters back in the day. <laughs> the, the scribes that recorded, <laughs> that wrote uh, these stories for us, in the case of some places, uh, Paul used various scribes, so we know those were scribes. In the cases of the individuals themselves, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that wrote these, they didn't, they didn't take out the pen and go, pen switch, red ink. I don't know, when I was in college, red ink meant something different. So let's not pretend that one part of the Bible is more important than another part of the Bible. Let's really think about our hearts with the gospel in mind. And if you need a fresh wave of grace today, that fresh wave of grace is there. But let it put you back on your feet, ready to hear the voice of Jesus for your life today. So I want to ask, just to make this something we can really live out day by day, really two questions. The first, what do I let block God's word and God's work in my life? And the second, how can I take my spiritual growth to the next level, spiritually speaking? So let's talk about what we let block God's word and work in our lives. First, I'm going to say the enemy. The enemy. You would know in this story, right? He says that some of the seed fell on hard soil along the path. The path is obviously well compressed, right? It's been walked on. It's, it's the path people take all the time. That's not, a tilled, that's not tilled up soil, right? That's just hard, rocky soil. And the seed falls there. And he says that the seed that falls along the path, Satan comes and takes away that which was sown in them. 
And so the enemy is more than glad for there to be a moment in time where we say, eh, I don't have to worry about that voice of Jesus thing. A moment where we don't feel very urgent about letting it take root in our lives. A moment where we just harden our hearts because our sin, frankly, speaks stronger and louder to us than the voice of Jesus does. So we just harden our hearts. And the enemy comes and snatches it away. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, every time we study a verse about the enemy, I love to remind us that the enemy is a counterfeit. Right? That the enemy is not. Right? He prowls around like a roaring lion, but my Savior is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Right? That the one who roars in my life is the Savior who died on the cross for me. All of that said, the rest of what I'm going to talk about, hard hearts, shallow hearts, distracted hearts, are not about the enemy. It's about me. And I want to be clear about this. We have a tendency to go, well, I'm not growing right now. It must, must be the enemy swooping in, roaring like a lion. But what if the enemy can only do what he does when I'm the one rejecting the voice of Jesus, when I'm the one, when I'm the one who feels no urgency? In a lot of ways, you're going to hear me today, you heard me last week, talk about urgency. Many times as we go through this series, I'm going to speak of urgency because part of what Jesus does in these parables is he's telling people there's an urgency in responding to this gospel this message. So number two, what do I let block God's word and God's work in my life? This goes right with what we're saying about the enemy. It's a hardened heart. It's when I harden my hearts to the things of God. I find in my own life that this most shows up when I know I'm not living like Jesus and I don't really want to feel the conviction. And so, you just harden yourself to it. A little more, a little more, a little more. A lot of times, those without God, those in our society around us who we want to love with the gospel, are in places where their hearts have already been hardened, sometimes by life. Have you heard these before? Like, God couldn't possibly re be real. Because one time, back in the day, this bad experience happened to me. And if God did that, then I don't want anything to do with that God. That's a hardening of the heart. God couldn't be real because when I was a kid, I was rejected by my family. God couldn't be real because when I was a kid, somebody I love died. God couldn't be real so this hardening of the hearts can happen for unbelievers. It becomes a, a means to reject the gospel. But I, I want to caution us as believers. It can happen to us as well. To refuse to listen to the voice of Jesus. So there's the enemy. I let block God's word and work in my life. It's a hardened heart. I do that to myself. Number two, it's a shallow heart. A shallow heart. 
This, this soil is a little softer. And, uh, roots begin to start just a little bit, but there's nowhere for the roots to go really deeply. And so Jesus said, like seen sown on rocky places, and you've all seen the weeds grow up in the rocky places, haven't you? Right? I, somehow, my driveway, with the tiniest of cracks, will let the biggest of weeds grow up. But in my backyard, where I have no cement at all, once you get past the porch part, and good soil, I can't grow grass for, you know, tiniest of cracks for the weeds, the shallow heart. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word, and they at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. We've all known people like that. They respond, but it doesn't really take root. Shallow heart. I should feel some urgency if I feel like I'm in a shallow place in my soul. Number th- Is that number three? Yes. So number four. A divided heart. A divided, oh good. I wrote two words in my notes. And I wasn't sure which one I put in these notes. So <laughs> I got it right. A divided heart. Right? I also wrote distracted heart. Besides this one, if you want to know my other word. A distracted heart. A divided heart. This is where Jesus says, look, there's a lot of other noise that we let overtake the voice of the word in our lives. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things comes in and chokes the word, making it unfruitful. One of the things I certainly know about that grass that I sometimes struggle to grow in my backyard is the more I let the weeds take over, the less room there is for the roots of the grass to really grow up and flourish. If I'm just honest about this, it's so easy to let the noise of this world drown out the voice of Jesus. I guarantee you this. Over the next six, seven weeks, I don't know how many weeks it is, seven weeks or so till election day, every other commercial you hear on TV will say, I'm so-and-so and I approve this message. Yeah. And now it's text messages, right? I'm getting text messages saying, please this, please that. My point is not that there's not a place for politics. But my point would be this. I watch us as believers let our hopes rise and fall on the kingdom of this world. Not the king who's not of this world. And I just want to as, as, as clearly as I know how, appeal to you anytime we're in an election season to let the voice of Jesus speak louder than the voice of the politics. Because what I'll find if I don't is that the weeds of this world crowd out. They create all the noise to the voice of Jesus. You remember when 
Elijah went into that place where he was running from God and he was running from Jezebel and he was scared to death for his life and he ended up in that place where he was in the cave and God wasn't in the loudness of the storm and God wasn't in the loudness of the earthquakes and those that God was in God was the still the quiet that often the voice of Jesus in my life is not the one who is screaming and I have to intentionally drown out the voices that are screaming. Sometimes those voices are called MSNBC or Fox News or CNN or... They're all about screaming. I need the voice of Jesus to take root in my heart. Does this make sense? Do you guys identify with this? You know know what I'm saying? I I got one more. Um, Just real quickly, I'm going to move on. A self-focused heart, number five. A self-focused heart. I just want to note for you that probably for three quarters of my life, every time I read this story, I was certain that I was the soil forgetting that I am also called to be the sower of the word. Isn't it clear that I sow the word? What do I do for a living? Preach what? The word. Right? I am a, by vocation, a sower of the word. Guess what? You too, not by vocation probably, are called to be a sower of the word. That we all have an assignment. Right? To go into all the world and make disciples of all nations that the word would be sown to all peoples and yet I have a tendency to read this from the standpoint of what I receive from it which is good if I'm out of binocular mode it's good if I see it as a mirror but one of the things that begins to happen is I begin to think about me and not about anybody else. And there has to be a place in my life where I think about those who need the gospel. So that's going to take me to this next section where I want to answer this question. How can I take my spiritual growth to the next level? And again, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to say phrases like, we do, let's level up. I don't, I don't want to imply that Jesus said, look, there are four levels. I'm just trying to give us some application here based on years of pastoring people. Because what I notice is that in their spiritual growth, in the spiritual journey, there are often lids that keep us from growing any further. It's like we take the escalator to the second floor, but we don't want anything to do with the third, fourth, and fifth floors, so we stay away from all the escalators and all the elevators and anything that would take us higher, and certainly not the stairs. I'm a little distracted. Something in power went out over here just now, and that, that's odd. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. So four levels that I want to give us, all right? Level number one is an urgency to listen to God's word and work in my life. This associates with that hard heart. If I'm in a place where my heart is pretty hardened at the moment, then I should feel in this message, not from Brian, but from the Holy Spirit, an urgency 
to get back to listening to God's word and God's work in my life. To he who has an ear, let him hear. To say, you know what, I need, to, I need some urgency to pay attention. And if that's you, I just want to challenge you to make that commitment today. Now, some of you, you've got that urgency already. That's what levels two, three, and four are going to be about. Because if you're stuck spiritually, I'd reasonably suggest that one of these levels is where you're stuck. And the first is a need and an urgency to listen to God's word in my life. The seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and retain it and by persevering produce a crop. Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear. That there's an internalizing of the word that needs to happen in my life. That there's a listening to that still, small, quiet voice of Jesus that I need to get back to. And if that's you, in the goodness of the gospel today, I want a fresh wave of grace to wash over your life and for you to say, I will begin here with an urgency to listen to the word. Level two. Level two is an urgency to implement the word. We do a funny thing in our Christian life. We read our Bibles for knowledge. We read our Bibles for explaining. We read our Bibles for I know more than you do, right? I mean, classic like old school Sunday school classes, and we go, what do you think it means? I think it means this, and everybody goes, ooh, that's really good. And somebody else goes, I think it means this. We go, ooh, that's really good too. Is there anything wrong with talking about what the Bible means in small group or Sunday school? Not at all. It's a good thing to do. But you remember Jesus, in fact, we'll come back to this, talked about the person who built their life on the sand and the person who built their life on the rock. And the difference was the one who put it into practice. We'll come back to that parable weeks from now. It's so important that you and I come to a place where we realize that I have a tendency, it's fairly natural and easy to say, I've got an urgency to hear the word, that I, I want to be, I need to be a hearer of the word. And we hear the word and we talk about the word and it, it just sort of cycles through our minds. And we get a little confused by the word sometimes. And, you know, I mean, some of us really get into it. Like, like we read Revelation and we start drawing charts and stuff, you know. It's like you buy those books that have the fold-out map at the back and it goes... Boom, 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 boom. And, and we go, all right, this is really cool. Let me see what this lines up with this, lines up with this. And The question I want to ask is, is there fruit in our lives? Because when I'm implementing the word, I begin to look more like Jesus. Not more like the maps. More like Jesus. Right? James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Luke 8.21, Jesus said, my brothers and my mother are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Remember, Jesus said in this story, don't you understand this parable at the level of, if you don't understand it at the level of knowledge, how are you going to understand it at the level of practice so sometimes we get stuck because our hearts are hard and sometimes we get stuck because our hearts are 
shallow. This third level I want to talk about, sometimes we get stuck because, because we don't persevere. And so level three is an urgency to persevere, specifically in obeying the word when I'm facing difficulty. An urgency to keep going in the word. Can I be like 100% honest with you guys this morning? I know. I, this happens to all of us. So does the hardness of heart in certain seasons and the shallowness in seasons. But this absolutely happens to us. But I want to be abundantly clear about something. There are brothers and sisters around the world today who are snatched in the middle of the night at gunpoint. And in America... We go, ah, it's really hard to be a Christian today because people don't like me when I say Christian things. You know, people don't like me. Were we ever supposed to be liked by everybody? I'm not doubting the difficulties we face in American life, but I do want to be straight <laughs> about reminding us that there are places, literally multiple spots around the globe today where to declare your faith means complete rejection by your family, where to obey the word today means complete rejection by your people, and in some cases where to obey the word today means a call to death. To me, that puts in perspective some of the difficulties I face and remind me that Jesus faced those harder things, not just the easy... Were there people who didn't like Jesus? Yeah, were there, were there people that Jesus was too Jesus-y too? Yeah, of course. Of course, but, but they killed him. The Jesus who died for my sins is the Jesus who can strengthen my soul when I face difficulty. That difficulty may not come in the form of persecution. It might come in the form of tragedy. It might come in the form of grief. It might come in the form of illness. But will I persevere in the Word? All right, so an urgency to listen to God's word, an urgency to implement God's word, an urgency to persevere in the word when I'm facing difficulty. And this last level is, is honestly, I think, one that often holds us back. It's an urgency to share the word with others. This is where I said a while ago that I, I, for a long, long time, didn't see myself as a sower of the word. And my guess would be you often read this and don't see yourself as a sower of the word. And yet Jesus calls us to be people who sow the word, who share the gospel. Now, were we sharing the gospel last Sunday by loving people in our community? Yes. Did we share the whole gospel with every person that was there? No, there's a lot more to do. There's a lot more to say. A couple of weeks ago, I challenged all of us to listen to God and say, hey, give me a name or two. Someone I can be praying for. There comes a moment in time 
where you might say to that person, hey, I'm praying for you, and my church is praying for you. Or there comes a moment in time where you say, hey, I'd love to have you worship with us on Sundays. Or there comes a moment in time where you tell your Jesus story. And they say, hey, I feel so hopeless. And you say, can, you, can I tell you why I have hope? Because, yeah, this world just beats me up too, but I know a guy. Our refusal, societally speaking, to share the word puts a lid in our lives. And I know, I know, I know. American culture is you talk about everything with everybody. I mean, the, the stuff that's on TV and the stuff people talk about on reality TV shows, like it's stuff I don't want to watch, much less had my kids watch when, you know, when they were little. Right? People talk about everything, except we speak of faith, and people go, mm, separation of church and state. We're not the state. Like, we're the church. We should talk about it, right? Does it make sense? Now, I realize some of you work for the government. You could work for a public school. You work for the University of Oregon. You, you, you can't have a public employer. I think the bigger issue is more likely not separation of church and state. It's, it's that sense of, yeah, but I, I don't know if people are going to reject me. And I just say, they're not rejecting us. I mean, it's the gospel. That story I'm telling people is not the story of Brian, the good news of Brian. It's the good news of Jesus, and we need it now more than ever. So I want you to take just a moment before I pray. I want you to think about where you are. Again, these are not hard, fast levels. I don't mean this like this is the word that came down from, this is the word that, this from Jesus. What I'm preaching to you is an application of that. I want to make sure I'm, I'm, you know, Jesus is not like got stars next to our name in heaven. He goes, Brian is a three out of five stars. I'm looking for Brian to go to four out of five. Brian will get a better Google review. How does Jesus feel about you? He loves you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to speak into your life. It's often a still, quiet voice. Do you need to listen? Do you need to? Is there something he's been speaking and you know it? You just need to obey? Is there some difficulty you're going through and you just need to persevere? Is there some person he has on your heart and you just need to share? Can I pray whatever that commitment you need for you today? Can I pray that for you? We always end with two prayers. You guys know that. If you're watching online, our first prayer is a prayer of salvation. If you're here in the room and you need Jesus, I just want to remind you that, that the gospel is good news. That Jesus loves you. That he wants to forgive you that he died for your sins, that he rose again, he's alive today, but he doesn't force his way into our hearts. Would you receive him?
You receive them just like this and pray. It's not the words. There's nothing magical about this, but you just say something, echo something like this in your heart. Dear Jesus, please forgive my sins. Please take over my life and make me yours. I turn to you. I ask you to be my God. I ask you to take over my life Flood my life with your love and grace and make me more like you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. If that's you and you followed Jesus for the first time today, you became a Christian, then man, I would love to know that. In the coming weeks, we're going to celebrate baptism. We throw big celebrations around baptism. I can't wait for our next one. We would love for you to be a part of that. We'd love to celebrate that you've given your life to Jesus Christ. You can let me know on the communication card. You can let me know online on the digital communication card. I would just love to celebrate with you. You can tell me if you're here in the room. And some of us prayed and followed Jesus, you know, weeks ago, months ago, years, decades ago. But I would imagine this hits all of us somewhere, somehow. So can I pray that prayer of application for all of you? You know what you, know what you need in your heart from Jesus? I want to apply that freshly. Maybe you'd pray with me this prayer of application. Dear Jesus, thank you for doing everything you could to save us. And thank you that your voice is more than beautiful. And so help us to embrace your voice, your word with urgency and help us to cooperate with the work you do in our souls Lord increase our commitment my commitment to listen to your word to live your word to put it into practice to persevere in your word to keep on putting it into practice to share your word and love with others Lord we want to commit our souls to you with deep gratitude we thank you that we get to be yours in Jesus name we pray amen amen I'm so glad you're worshiping Jesus with us today. His love for you is more powerful. <laughs> we spend a lifetime working to understand it. And yet there it is. Here it is. We're going to close in song. Before we close in song, I just want to remind you back at the back, we've got baskets for those communication cards. We'd love to hear from you. If God's put it in your heart, if this has ministered to you in some way for you to give, then there's a giving box at the back. I'm glad you're worshiping Jesus with us today. Let's stand as we close in song.